last week we saw some, I think, some interesting data out of the U.S. I guess we'll be on Friday. University of Michigan consumer confidence, 15-year highs. Now, let's disclaim, that kind of happened before the recent trade tariffs went into effect. Also, housing starts up almost 6% year over year. So, I mean, like you said, the global economy has shown some signs of weakness, but the U.S., for the most part, I think is still pretty strong. Am I correct there? Yeah, for now. <laughs> there you go. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Honored to be here. I'm Ryan Dietrich. I'll be your host this week, along with my good friend and colleague up in Boston, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how's life up in Boston going? Oh, it's going well. Thanks, Ryan. Um, we're uh, we're glad finally getting some warm weather up here, and uh, we've also got some uh, happy hockey fans with the uh, the Bruins uh, advancing to the Stanley Cup. Maybe that offsets the uh, Game of Thrones disappointment for for the folks up in Boston. Well, yeah, I don't. I think the Game of Thrones disappointment might be all over more than Boston. Now, I know you didn't watch necessarily Game of Thrones, Jeff. I did. And I didn't really have a problem with the last season. I know a lot of people said it felt rushed and they, they did too much at once. There wasn't enough character development. My attitude as well, the guy hadn't finished writing his books, so they had to had to pull something together. But I liked it. But clearly, you know, we're not going to give away any um, of what happened with Game of Thrones. But let's just say there's some potential for some spinoffs with some different characters that kind of went on their way after the end of the show. So I think... I don't think we're done with Game of Thrones is what it sounds like. But, Jeff, so with, with the hockey, though, let's talk about that for a second. So as an Ohio guy, my boys jumped on the Columbus bandwagon. You guys got us, I think, in six. But so correct me if I'm wrong, Boston just swept uh, Carolina, and now they're in the Stanley Cup. Am I correct how that worked? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, okay. I'm a bandwagon fair weather. Nothing wrong with that. Fan, so uh, th- this is when I start to pay attention. Uh, it looks like uh, St. Louis-Boston will be – will be the matchup. So there's going to be some happy people around here. And I'm already hearing folks talk about Boston uh, having three titles at one time. That uh, that would be something. And uh, I think the uh, the rest of the country is going to be real upset with that. Yeah, you only have two hands. You can't even carry all three of them. That would be that would be something <laughs> if you could pull if you could pull that one off. But good well, problem to have. Oh man, would it would it be ever? That's that's very true. I joke about with my boys the curse of Ohio. Rooting for Ohio teams always seem to be disappointed. But I'm I'm je- we're all jealous of you, Jeff. So congrats to uh, to all the to all the Bruins fans and everyone. If you have a sports team going on right now that's succeeding, that's awesome. Enjoy it. So this week though, well, let's get to business, Jeff. What do you say? This week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to focus really on just two big things going on. First and foremost, I mean, Jeff is our earnings expert, market strategist, portfolio manager, uh, but also just all-around earnings expert. So we're going to really dive into the first quarter earnings season. It's pretty much wrapped up as we speak. And then there's something about trade. We're going to talk about the latest discussions and arguments back and forth with the U.S. and China. And we actually had some positive news on trade as it relates to Mexico and Canada, which we'll get into second. But, Jeff, so let's let's kick it off. I mean, I'll put the ball in the tee for you. You wrote this week's weekly market commentary, which, again, focused on wrapping up the first quarter earnings. It looked overall like earnings were... Better than expected once again. I think it's 40 quarters in a row now that earnings have come in better than expectations. And that's, uh, you know, all the scary headlines. But, hey, fundamentals and earnings drive long-term stock gains. We continue to see improved earnings. I mean, what do you think, Jeff? Kind of, you know, take it away for a little bit on earnings. How did the first quarter do and what maybe does the future, not that we know the future, but what's the future expectations for earnings the rest of this year? Yeah, uh, good 
good quarter. Uh, you know, you have to look at um, how earnings did relative expectations first, right? So people see the the headline exactly. is flat, and that doesn't seem good, right? But we were looking at down four to five based on expectations coming in. So not only is that above expectations, but the upside surprise is a little bigger than average. And considering all of the trade uncertainty, you know, plus you had um, a strong dollar, which hurts international profits that U.S. multinationals generate. And then you had, I didn't write about this, but you even had energy drag. Uh, the energy sector is expected to be down 20% plus Interesting. Okay. year over year in earnings. That way, so you throw all these things together, the anniversary of the tax cut, all that together, it, it, flat's not too bad. I guess that's the uh, the message. And then when you turn to expectations, those held up pretty well, too, for the rest of the year. Yeah, and you, know, you mentioned expectations. I mean, let's go back to Game of Thrones just for a second. You talk about expectations, right? Game of Thrones back in seasons four, five, and six were just great. Everyone loved it. And expectations were so high for this last season, it's almost like no, nothing they could do could get up to that bar. And it's interesting, like you said, turning to earnings season, the bar was really low coming into it, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, I think in February we were talking about how this was the most, earlier this year, I'm sorry, this was the most cuts to first quarter earnings coming into the first quarter earnings that we'd seen since early 2016. So again, when you have those cuts and you have that doubt and worry about the upcoming earnings season, the bar is a lot lower. It's easier to get over that bar, and then you can have some positive results. Am I correct there? I mean, how about that? I combined Game of Thrones and earnings. I did my best there. Yeah, this is content you just don't get anywhere else. <laughs> let's hope, uh, let's so, hope not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, you characterize it well. You know, the bar was lowered, and companies can more easily jump over that lowered bar. We, we get that. It's more important to look forward, right? And so, um, frankly, I think the market's probably discounting any earnings growth at this stage. And so um, if we can get something close to mid-single digits, that's where we are in terms of our forecasts, uh, I think that would be a victory. It, it, it's very binary uh, in terms of trade, right? I mean, you could easily paint a scenario where we get mid-single digit earnings growth. That's been our forecast uh, since we published it last fall. Right. Uh, if we get a trade deal here in the next, call it, two, three months. But then you could also um, credibly build an, an argument that says that we're not going to get any earnings growth, or, or maybe we'll even get negative earnings growth this year if this trade dispute uh, lingers on. Because, you know, if this trade dispute lingers, what do you have? You have more tariffs, right? They increased, the White House increased tariffs on that initial $200 billion in uh, Chinese imports to the U.S. Right. If this goes on, you could have another 325 billion in goods from China with tariffs. Uh, what's that going to do? That's going to cause um, prices of consumer goods to rise. Uh, it's going to disrupt supply chains. So there are a number of things here that could hit earnings uh, in the next, call it three, four quarters that uh, we're going to have to watch. So, um, you know, whether we're going to be up five or, or flat or even maybe down a couple points, it's just going to depend on, on what we get on trade, and, and there we just don't have any clarity. No, great points there, Jeff. You know, again, I've got the weekly market commentary. I'm holding it here. And, and one, a couple of stats that you, you put together I thought were really unique. Our friends from Credit Suisse noted the median S&P 500 company 
uh, was tracking a 5.6% earnings gain. Kind of the, so that's the median, right? Now, the issue with some of the larger big cap companies that are more impacted by China, more impacted by trade, are dragging things down a little bit. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, getting geeky, advanced decline lines. If a lot of stocks are participating, that's a good thing. You have a couple big ones maybe holding you back. But if a lot of the underlying stocks are doing well, that's a sign of strength. I mean, does it work that way with earnings, Jeff, when the median companies doing fairly well, just a few high profile big ones missed? What do you think on earnings? How does that work? Yeah, I think it just points to more underlying strength than you see on the surface. Exactly. Uh, we, we all own baskets of stocks, you know, whether we do stock portfolios or mutual funds or ETFs, whatever it is, we don't necessarily have to load up on those biggest stocks. So portfolios that are more diversified and own, you know, S&P 500 company number 250 or number 500, uh, they're not necessarily seeing uh, as much weakness as maybe you see uh, on the surface. So I think that's a really interesting uh, point to make. Uh, I mean, Apple's an example. I think Apple's earnings fell 18% in, in the quarter. And that's, of course, the biggest market cap company. And I'm pretty sure that they generate more earnings than any S&P 500 company. That is a right. big drag on the overall uh, profit number. So underneath the surface, it's it's certainly uh, quite a bit better than it, than it seems. Okay. So we have, you know, tariffs is the big wild card. Obviously, if there's positive developments there. We're going to talk about more tariffs here in a couple minutes. Uh, but we do still see the potential for some uh, acceleration of earnings the second half of this year. But, Jeff, the final thing I wanted to touch on, I'm just going to read it here. You noted how companies that have the majority of their revenue within the United States had earnings up over 6% uh, versus down almost 13% when companies had um, the majority of their revenues coming from outside the United States. So... Long story short, you know, multinationals clearly haven't done as well as companies more domestic. I mean, I don't even know the major takeaway there. I just wanted to point it out. I mean, you want to add any comments there? Well, it, it just um, points to the U.S. economy doing better than the rest of the world, right? We've seen uh, China slow, certainly even before this latest uh, uh, developments on, on the trade talks. We have seen Europe slow significantly right. over the past uh, 12 to 18 months. And, uh, you know, Japan had a good GDP report today, so their economy is maybe picking up a little bit right now, but they haven't really uh, seen any meaningful growth over the last year or so. So that, that's all where S&P 500 companies do business, right? I mean, a big chunk. Uh, exactly. A lot of these companies have half their revenues overseas or more. So uh, you really have to pay attention to the global economy. It's not just a U.S. story. And there the situation is getting a little bit more... Uh, challenging, clearly, with um, slowing growth and tariffs. Okay, good stuff there. So maybe, Jeff, let's move on then. I, I mean, you did a great job, I guess, summarizing first quarter earnings. Again, be on the lookout for our weekly market commentary. We title it Earnings Season Takeaways. So definitely check out Earnings Season Takeaways for our weekly market commentary. But, Jeff, a couple things here, maybe before we get the trade, I thought were interesting. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has been down four consecutive weeks as of last week. That's the first time in three years. The Dow has been down four weeks in a row. Jeff, do you know, unless you follow my Twitter, do you know the last time the Dow was down five weeks in a row? You want to take a guess? Put uh, you on the spot here. On that, yeah. But I would guess Hot it's seat. been a while. Has it been uh, mm -hmm. a couple years? Yeah, eight years. I mean, that's why I think it's so fascinating. So the Dow oh, has wow. not been, yeah, I know. The Dow has been down five weeks in a row for eight years. Now, 
you know, in the whole scheme of things during these this four-week sell-off on a percentage basis, it's really not a lot. You're having some pretty modest sell-off. But still, that kind of hammers home just how persistent, you know, the, the overall bull trend has been. You can have a couple down weeks, and then you definitely have more of an uptrend. So that's just something to point out. Now, Jeff, also last week we saw some, I think, some interesting data out of the U.S. I guess we'll be on Friday. University of Michigan Consumer Confidence, 15-year highs. Now, let's disclaim that kind of happened before the recent trade tariffs went into effect. Also, housing starts up almost 6% year over year. So, I mean, like you said, the global economy has shown some signs of weakness, but the U.S., for the most part, I think is still pretty strong. Am I correct there? Yeah, for now. <laughs> there you go. Again, if this uh, trade dispute lingers, you're probably going to see uh, more weakness in the U.S., and there were some short-term factors uh, that boosted Q1 GDP in the U.S. So you might see that slow down. But still, we're maybe slowing to uh, a little bit over 2% growth, whereas the rest of the, the world, a lot of it anyway, is, um, is closer to 1%. Great points there. So let's go to our final subject, Jeff. We called it in our weekly economic commentary, a step back on trade. So again, just taking a look at where things stand with trade. Like you already said, Jeff, the U.S. is, I believe it was on May 10th, instituted a 25% tariff on $200,000 billion worth of Chinese goods and imports. There's another $300, $325 billion out there, and we've threatened to do another 25% tariffs on that. I saw an interesting stat, Jeff, that said, let me get it in front of me here, if the 25% tariffs on the additional $300 billion worth of goods were to go into play, that could impact the average family of four by about $2,200. So we're starting to say, hey, if these next round of tariffs go on, it could really impact the consumer. The bottom line is a lot of clothes, and John and I choked, half-choked, uh, bourbon, potentially. Just It's just a wide range of things. Oh, I'm sorry, vodka. It was vodka that was going to have the tariffs. Nonetheless, a wide range of consumer goods could be hit next, and it could really impact the wallet of the U.S. consumer, whereas most of us really haven't felt this initial round of tariffs. I mean, what... What do you think? What kind of what happened last week with tariffs, Jeff? And what do you think? Can it start to impact the consumer? Oh, it it could uh, certainly. I mean, it was it was good news that um, the U.S. kind of cleared the decks, and you know we got rid of the the steel metal and steel tariffs in um, Canada and Mexico, and then we delayed the decision on auto tariffs from uh, Europe and from Japan. So uh, now we can certainly focus on. On China, which is good news, the market certainly don't want to, or or the White House, uh, don't want to deal with multiple trade wars at the same time. So um, maybe that's good news. But again, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you've got uh, the potential here for this to drag on. And if it does drag on, then um, it's going to be very difficult for um, for suppliers to absorb all of these tariffs. I mean, they could do that. Um, but then you're going to have some some meaningful uh, hit to, to profit margins. Exactly. Right. More likely, it's going to be a combination of absorbing the hits, raising prices on uh, on consumers, and then uh, moving supply chains around so that they can source goods from non-tariff countries. But that comes at a cost too. Now it's a it's a non-recurring cost, so maybe it won't uh, spook markets too much or or lead to you know, analysts reducing their earnings estimates or anything like that. But uh, that is a business disruption. And then you add to that the possibility of uh, of a hit to to consumer confidence. You just talked about how consumer confidence was great exactly. leading into this 
latest 180 on trade. And now, um, you know, we're kind of right back where we where we started a few months back. And uh, confidence certainly, you know, that's important for business spending. And if we get some hit to to business confidence and consumer confidence, uh, that'll show up in the data. I think I think the weekly economic commentary says there's a potential downside risk of a half a percent to the U.S. Uh, GDP. Uh, if this thing uh, doesn't get resolved. No, you're right. And you, you speak about rhetoric and kind of where things stand. Three weeks ago, we thought that we were very close to a potential resolution with China, along with a lot of other people. And then you read some of the recent headlines. I saw just this morning, I think President Trump uh, quoted by Reuters saying this deal can't be 50-50. You know, this deal with China, because what we've how China's impacted things before, we feel like, you know, there needs to be more concessions on the Chinese front than the U.S. front. Then you see with the Chinese media, which, again, let's be honest, it's state-owned, so the government kind of controls what the, what the media says. But the media in China is definitely being a little bit more, you know, aggressive, I guess we'll call it, toward the United States. So it really feels like, Jeff, at least from what I'm seeing here, you could say the deal's maybe 80% all, all done. But both sides are really digging in their heels here. Boy, and, it, it, you know, it just feels like it, we might be a ways away. Do you think we can still get a deal done? I know the G20s at the end of June, and that's the next time President Trump and President Xi should see each other. Think we can get a deal done around the G20, or are we just dug in here and we're going to be dealing with this all year? Wow. Well, I mean, if, hey, such an easy Trump, question, right? Easy question for a, a, for a Monday question. morning. Right. I know there's if, a lot of people have Trump, no idea here. Um, yeah. If he's uh, genuine in um, characterizing his relationship with President Xi as so wonderful, then we'll make significant progress at the G20. And that will, maybe, we won't get a deal probably at that meeting, but we will get enough progress that um, you know, markets will, will discount the deal and maybe it could be signed in August, uh, September. Uh, that's probably a best case scenario, but the risks uh, of that not happening are, are rising. So um, it's just really a tough situation because, I mean, what worries me is, is China dragging their, their feet here and then trying to influence the 2020 election. Uh, hopefully, they don't want to take that much economic and market pain because, um, you know, if nothing happens for the next year, that, that's probably beyond the worst-case scenario in our view. But if nothing happens for the next year, uh, it's going to hurt the U.S. and China economically, uh, not just you know, through the hit to, um, uh, to trade and to GDP, but also to uh, the financial markets. And that will hurt confidence. So uh, neither side wants that to happen here. They both have a lot to lose, and that gives us still uh, the confidence that we'll get a deal here over the next few months. Yeah, and that's been our stance really since all this started flaring up in the first quarter of 2018, that, you know, there are negatives for both sides here, and we can only hope that both sides will get to some type of resolution. But I think, you know, I don't want to gloss over what what you said earlier, Jeff. We had potential um, auto tariffs coming into play on the 18th of May, and we kind of, you could say, kicked the can for six months, which is actually a good thing, right? So we did that, and then also... The United States had, they repealed the steel and aluminum tariffs on Mexico and Canada as well last year. So, you know, Mexico and Canada and Europe obviously are some of our very, very good friends and very good trading partners. So it's nice to see that we are seeing some resolutions there. And you think about last week on Monday, so a week ago, Monday, the S&P dropped, I think, approximately 2.4% for the second to worst day of the year. 
And then on Wednesday, some of those rumors leaked about those things I just discussed. That's when we got a decent-sized midweek bounce and a little sell-off on Friday. But it is a positive, I think, that we are resolving some of those issues. Now, Jeff, I think we've got maybe on a minute or so, you mentioned kind of what worries you and influencing the election down the road. And I don't even know where we can go with this other than, you know, what are your takes on Iran? I mean, there are clearly some issues with Iran going on. Uh, the United States, is, there are some very aggressive tweets, I guess we'll call it, from President Trump regarding Iran just yesterday morning. I mean, that is the other wild card that could really disrupt things. What do you think about that right now? Yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, we're used to these geopolitical flare-ups in, in the Middle East. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, you, you hate to say uh, that markets don't care all that much. I just think they're immune to this. Uh, there's just, I mean, there's certainly uh, no uh, appetite for military conflict between the U.S. and Iran on either side. Right. <laughs> Trump actually said that directly, right? So um, I-, I feel like um, we can get to the status quo there, which is, you know, people sort of lob and insults at each other. But um, in the end, uh, you'll have no military conflict, and then the markets would probably be uh, fine with that. But when you have an already fragile market, potentially, I mean, again, put this in perspective, we're, we're still like three and a half, four percent from from the all time highs. Right? right. And this has been the, you know, the longest bull market of all time. So we're not in a bad spot <laughs> at all. But if you do get to a point where markets are fragile again, if we do get that market correction, that's possible. And then you add these headlines uh, overseas that could potentially uh, impair economic activity, uh, markets cause an oil price spike, uh, then, you know, that, that could add another, another leg down. So we'll, we'll have to watch it, but I think at this point uh, it, it's pretty, pretty much consensus that there'll be no military conflict there. Yeah, well, we can obviously only hope there. So, Jeff, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this week's edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast where Jeff Bookbinder and myself discussed a better-than-expected first-quarter earnings season. Overall, a continued pretty decent, improve, or a strong economic backdrop to the United States, even though the rest of the globe has been weakening a little bit. And then we discuss the latest in trade. So stick around today. There could be a whole new, whole new discussion on trade, but the latest on trade, it's, it's obviously still going back and forth with China, but we did have some positive resolutions with um, some of our other trading partners around the world. So, Jeff, thank you very much for uh, being on this week. I mean, any other final comments, Jeff? What do you think? How did we do this week? Well, I hope uh, I hope we didn't uh, disappoint folks who were you know, looking forward to the uh, finale of Game of Thrones, who maybe had uh, DVR'd it. That's my biggest concern uh, right now, beyond uh, beyond the trade conflict. There you go. Yeah, I don't think we gave away too much on Game of Thrones. Like I said, I didn't have a problem with it, but obviously some people did. So everyone, thank you very much again for listening to us on the LPL Market Signals podcast. We appreciate it. Now, Jeff, I think it is worth noting that next week, due to the Memorial Day holiday, we're going to take a well-deserved break. So we will be no podcast next week, but we'll be back in two weeks with the next edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Well, that's it for this episode. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch.
And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.